Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we explore the subtlety and nuance inside the world of personal protection. Listen as industry experts, thought leaders, and pioneers investigate why it depends is the answer of champions. Ballistic Radio, critical thought over empty rhetoric. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tex Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTexOrdinance.com. I'm your host, I guess, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com as soon as the website gets updated and fixed. And get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other things at Facebook.com slash radio. So I am super excited to have one of my very best friends making their first appearance on the show. Joining us today is a guy named Ross Hick. Ross, how's it going? John, how are you? Pretty good. Um, Now, I know why you're awesome and uh, all that stuff. But for those that don't know, and pretty much no one will, uh who are you and what do you do that was like such an underhanded like no no accurate uh, so so we're gonna fix it yeah i'm so the short version is um i've spent the last 14 years as a probation surveillance officer in the southwestern u.s uh supervising convicted felons in the community mostly high-risk people so aggravated assault armed robbery cartel dudes stuff like that um, so a fair amount of experience at that. And then in the last five years, I specialized and continue to uh, in sex offenders and the seriously mentally ill. So mm-hmm. um, interesting stuff. And then I'm also on the side, a firearms, taser, use of force, and munitions instructor, and uh, actively teaching concealed carry courses for uh, about the last two decades in my community as well. Right. Um you and I were actually privately trying to figure out when it was exactly we met each other because we've gotten to be yeah. close enough now that it feels like, well, we've both just always been there. Um, you know, I'm going to pull it. I'm going to pull a Kirk on you and tell you it. I don't have the exact date, but it was a class you taught in Phoenix. And I think it was one of your first test and standards classes was where we actually met face to face. Right. Um, that sounds about right. I think that was the one that, uh, Matt Hot and, uh, Melody mm-hmm. were at. So, yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, anyway. Um, so f- essentially, if we were to break down your job, you watch. You it if you, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, <laughs> yeah, please. It, Please, I, instead of me trying to paraphrase, why don't why don't I'll, you just tell me? Well, I was going to say, it, most people don't know what I do at all or have any idea or they confuse us with parole. And in some states, that's they're they're linked. And then in a lot of states like mine, um, they are totally separate. So parole would be like you go to prison and then you come out and serve the last bit of your sentence in the community and they can send you back if you screw up. Um, probation is usually in lieu of prison. So you go to prison a lot of times and come out, but you'll, you'll end up being on kind of separate from that, uh, for a separate charge. Um, and there is some differences state to state on that, but, uh, basically, right. yeah, supervising folks in the community who were convicted, 
and sometimes of, of various crimes. My stuff was obviously violent crime and uh, sex offenders and stuff. And they're out there uh, getting jobs. Usually I'm watching them uh, running around after them, hiding in the bushes kind of thing. And then uh, taking them to, to, you know, working with them, trying, trying to keep them out and, and successful, but taking them to jail if they screw up. Right. So I guess what we're going to talk about today um, and well, you're discovering this, but every other guest has discovered that I will at most um, say, Hey, how about we talk about this? And they'll go cool. And then we don't plan anything because I kind of like the freeform nature of those conversations. At least that's the excuse that I use to justify my ADHD uh, and inability to plan. But what, what I kind of want to talk about with you, at least at first, is do you think people really misunderstand what they're looking for um, when the conversation of, well, and, I, and I'll, I'll use, you know, quotation marks around this, bad guys do this sort of thing, and has that has that been your experience or is there a lot of subtlety and nuance that we do a bad job of pointing out um when it comes to i guess process predators definitely the second um so in general my experiences have been that when i do ride-alongs i take people out to 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 meet people um, from the general community, I almost always get a comment of, wow, they seem so, so normal. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, when they're trying to live their lives, a lot of them are. And as William April would say, you know, or has said many times on this show, they are fundamentally different. They have a capacity for violence. Some of them that would surprise the average person, uh, from their daily interactions. But what I try to impress people is that if they don't want you to see that aspect, a lot of them, you're not going to see it. And that's tough. Um, If you've eaten fast food or you've had landscaping crews come to your house, you've probably already met a lot of these guys. And, you know, they're not people you'd probably invite into your house normally anyways, but, um, largely you wouldn't know it and that gets even more uh even more distinct when we're talking about uh sex offenders or predators and that side they're very very good at hiding in plain sight so what do you think what would you want people to know then i guess as far as if they're concerned about you know, so essentially this is going to be a show about lions and wolves and, you know, tigers and bears. Oh my. Um, But, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to help keep people safe and it's easy to give someone general advice for, Oh, you're in a parking lot. Well, that's a transitional area. And if you see someone doing these things, um, you might potentially about to be victimized like that. That's relatively cut and dry. Right. But the thing that we're kind of talking about here is maybe a little 
more complex or I don't know, do you think it is? Yeah. So my general takeaway is it's easy to sound defeatist, right? And you're never going to see it coming. Um, But really what I'm, what I try to focus on is we're, we may be focused on the wrong things, right? So when it comes to, just to give you an example, when it comes to uh, telling people what I do, right? I get one of two responses or both, which is from almost everybody, either, oh boy, I could never do what you do because I just couldn't handle it. And, you know, and the second response is usually, well, why don't we just shoot them all? And it's always those two responses. I mean, just over and over. And they're understandable, given the nature of what I have to to deal with. And it's deeply unpleasant. But I think that does us a discredit because as a community, that's a way to say that that's a way to shut down the conversation, right? That makes yeah. it very clear that people don't want to think about the problem. They don't want to look at it and they don't want to discuss it any further. And that's largely been my experience. But predators thrive in that secrecy. They absolutely thrive in that secrecy. If you read any book on predators and how they operate, that's basically chapter one. Yeah. And we're not doing ourselves any favors as a community refusing to talk about that and the reality of it. And I think that the reality of how they predate is distinctly different than a lot of people imagine. It's it's often not the guy hiding in the bushes outside the window, although that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like something on the order of 5%. And the vast majority of offenders are, they always say it's someone, you know, right. Someone, an acquaintance, something like that. And that's a scary idea for a lot of people. And I think that the reaction I usually get from folks is, Oh, you know, well, what do I do with that information? Right. Is it going to turn out that the, my best friend is going to, you know, something's going to happen. And that's kind of where I focus, which is how do you, like you said, you know, uh, how do you muck your friends? How do mm-hmm. you, how do you tell if you're in that relationship that's evolving into something, you know, predatory, which can happen? Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Well, and it's such an interesting question that when we come back from break, I'm going to ask it. So you can, you can think about that on break. Right now we're talking with Ross Hick. And you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdnance.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the X9 series of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters, 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics and concealability with modern service pistol capacity, as well as reliability at wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Ross Hick about 
essentially, you know, as you put it, how do you muck your friends? For those that don't know, muck is an acronym, uh, M-U-C, uh, stands for Managing Unknown Contacts. It's a concept that Craig Douglas over at ShivWorks um, pioneered, and we've done episodes about it, and you can Google it. And honestly, what you should do is just go pay Craig money and spend time with him. But but anyway, how do you how do you see signs of predation? What are the signs of predation? Or, you know, what what should folks be looking for? So if you pull up a list of kind of stuff you're looking for, um, it's gonna sound well, I'll I'll give you some examples. So if you are on the receiving end, right? Um, some common warning signs would be uh, a partner who is extremely narcissistic, uh, constantly seeking confirmation that they're desirable, smart, handsome, stuff like that, uh, entitlement, uh, either to your body or uh, just in general, um, lying about seemingly trivial things, uh, uh, stuff kind of turned up to 11 that would be normal in a, in a relationship. So um unusual flattery, especially early on, um, interest, sensitivity, stuff like that, seemingly too good to be, you know, to be good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like showing up at, at work, you know, with a huge flower arrangement the next day kind of thing after the first date. Um, and it goes on and on, right? So, um, huge list of stuff that by the end of it, basically, everybody's going to wonder kind of like reading through the DSM, you know, okay, now, or, or going to WebMD. Now all of a sudden I've got all every disease known to man. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea being it's all stuff that exists to one extent or another in a relationship, maybe not a healthy one, but it's stuff we all struggle with. And so really the defining characteristic isn't any one of those things it's that it's persistent uh, and that it's disruptive to the rest of your life, right? So it's it's pulling you away from other relationships, isolating you. Um, and that's from the, you know, the inside, right? On the outside, it's going to look similar, but it's going to be as a parent or friend isolation, right? So this person kind of withdrawing into themselves, withdrawing away from family and friends. Um, Usually, uh, depression or, um, especially in younger kids, sudden depression, uh, and even questioning like the reality of the nature of reality. So you'll have even young kids suddenly, uh, in a trauma based worldview become, uh, talking about the meaning of life, the improbability of happiness, uncontrollability. You know, basically they turn into teenagers instantly. Um, and that's the hard part, right? So how do I separate that from what's normal behavior? Um, and to be honest, if you don't have a baseline for that person already, it's going to be very hard to do. It's it's easy to miss from the outside. And even on the receiving end, it's a little bit easy to miss in yourself if it happens over time gradually. So... What do we do? I, you know, what, no, no, I was, I was thinking, and I've tried to break myself of the habit of saying, mm, or something like that when I'm, when I'm processing what a guest has said. 
so the I guess part of the problem when we're talking about people that are known to us and new relationships, like you said, is if you don't have a baseline for that person, maybe that's just kind of you, you think it's normal or like, oh, this is just how they are. Uh, and I think so. The reason it's easy to miss is that offenders, predators in general, have lived their entire life hiding from scrutiny. And they're very, 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 if there's one thing they're good at, it's deception, mm-hmm. explaining things away, making you think you're a little bit crazy, you know, stuff like that. And so it's easy to talk yourself out of that on the receiving end, because they will absolutely give you reasons to doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the thing offenders do is they tend to seek out positions of authority or power in the community um, precisely because it allows you to avoid a lot of scrutiny and explain away things that aren't. Uh, And this isn't necessarily, you know, community leaders all the time, but it could just be someone who's involved in a local organization um, and, and other stuff that's not helpful in that regard, since I mentioned it. A lot of people think, oh, this person's in a happy marriage or in a normal relationship with someone else that can't possibly be this person. Um, No, that's very much on purpose sometimes. And uh, that's not an indication necessarily. Um, Even a lack of criminal record, a lot of times it takes quite a while to get caught. Uh, And as, you know, uh, I think the quote from... uh, the gift of fear, Gavin De Becker, was niceness is a decision, uh, a strategy, a social interaction, not a character trait. Hmm. Um, and that's exactly what I get from a lot of folks, which is, oh, I couldn't imagine that that person would do this thing. So the baseline's important. I think the distinction there to take away is that if you're trying to do this to a stranger or an acquaintance that you have absolutely no idea about what's normal for them, about the only thing you can do is create a baseline for yourself as to what you feel is normal in the relationship and then check in with that every now and then. And if you notice that there's something, hey, this is kind of, you know, we're drifting in a direction I didn't think, seek outside help. Um, there are a number of, if you Google it, there's you know, every community has a local hotline, uh, anonymous hotline for stuff like this. Um, there's national hotlines as well. But even just getting an outside set of eyes on it sometimes can be enough to make you realize that something isn't as normal as you thought it was. So when you say check in with yourself, I feel like I understand what you're saying, but I don't know that everyone listening will. So I I think... Check in with yourself as in, these are the people that I like to hang out with. And these are the things that I like to do. And here is my general normal behavior. And if things start deviating away from what you consider to be normal or good, uh, maybe take a really hard pause and examine, okay, what's going on in my life? that could be doing that? And is it tied specifically to one person? 
kind of like that? Yeah. So it's one of the things that predators are going to do almost across the board is isolate uh, and, and pull you away from other relationships. So sometimes it can be as simple as checking in and realizing, gosh, I haven't talked to anybody else for, you know, two years, three years. I haven't, I, I don't have any real relationships or anyone to talk about uh, this with. And that, that right there is a huge sign um, that something might be going on, right? Something worth looking into. And then, yeah, like you said, it, it having that baseline and having trusted people that you do talk to, uh, super important to maybe talk to them, run some stuff past them. And if getting that outside perspective or even seeking it is oftentimes enough to start realizing that something that is going on commonly is not okay, not healthy, not something that you, a direction you want to go. Well, and it strikes me that the issue there is that internally you need to have a baseline of what a healthy relationship is before you can ever begin to examine <laughs> uh, whether or not the relationship that you're concerned about is pushing you in an unhealthy direction. I know that sounds kind of like, well, yeah, of course you need to know what a healthy relationship is, but that's not super common, is it? No. And honestly, predators are aware of that. So one of the things when you start uh, dealing with with how they predate um, or even hearing about it is that they absolutely seek out people who are either a little bit uh, immature, obviously, people who aren't sure what a healthy relationship is. That's that's one of the reasons that happens. And then beyond that, um, they also tend to go for people who are a little doubtful about themselves. You know, they basically they're I don't want to say weakness because that makes it sound like it's the the victim's fault, but mm -hmm. but yeah, it's they're looking for weakness. They're looking for a foot in the door. And that could be almost anything. Um, but sometimes it's as simple as just a bad relationship with everybody else already, parents, authority figures, stuff like that. Uh, and sometimes that can be enough to, I guess, give them confidence that they can have a relationship or start a relationship without a whole lot of scrutiny, without a whole lot of, you know, where's that person going to go to to check in, to ask if this is normal, if they don't have anyone to talk to? Right. Um, I have a couple of other questions about this, but... We are to the break. Right now, we're talking with Ross Hick. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com today. This segment also brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the Candela from ModLite at the lowest price. No problem. Did you spend too much time alone in your room and now you need an optic on your carry gun? Well, Big Tech's Ordinance has those and they don't judge. Glock accessories? Yes. Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, Big Tech's Ordinance has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTechsOrdinance.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. And don't forget, 
to get signed up for the big giant backpack full of goodies that they are giving away this month, April. I believe uh, you've got until the end of the month to get signed up for that. So don't miss out. Anyway, we're talking with Ross Hick about uh, essentially predation and how people end up predated upon how or some things that you should be looking for. I guess, you know, there we could spend like hours and hours on this topic, Ross. And what I'm hopeful for when people come away from this is, is they are thinking a direction that maybe they had not thought before and, you know, have some things to look for that are actually useful because, you know, as, as Craig Douglas has said, uh, aware, you, you know, aware is not a verb right? You can't aware it's something. You need to know what you're looking for. And oftentimes when we think of, again, quotation marks around those bad guys, even if we think of ones that are known to us, I don't, I don't know that people really understand just how subtle folks can be. I was wondering if you could share an example, uh, you know, clearly without disclosing anything that you're not allowed to disclose but do you you know do you have any specific examples as far as people that you have had to work with that sort of highlight what we're talking about here uh yeah so and this is tough because we're talking about a whole bunch of different offenders right and every single one of them has a slightly different take on it um, there are commonalities, but that's part of the problem and why it may feel so vague because it's like, man, it's almost everything, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you if you look at the people I've supervised, uh, you know, especially in the last five years, um, vast majority would be uh, people who either were a family friend or someone who was um, not a very close friend, but someone just outside of the circle of, you know, friend of a friend, mm-hmm. uh, you know, invited to a family gathering or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, probably the most common would be um, against children would be then uh, spending a lot of time around the kids, uh, finding reasons to spend times around the kids, um, be with the family when the kids are around, stuff like that. And slowly, and I mean, usually over months and months, maybe even years, working up to a point where uh, they have a relationship separate from the family that is just with the kids, right? Giving them candy, toys, taking them to do fun stuff, things like that, and building that relationship separate. And the idea being that the goal is to kind of isolate a bit from the family and have that separate secrecy and usually that's where that starts to happen where it's like hey uh you know between the offender and the kid it would be so you know here's this secret i don't want you to tell your parents um it's just between us and it could be something tiny but if they can get that kid to keep that secret from their parents then they know that's a foot in the door and they can go from there and 
you know, one of the best protections you can have against that would be having a relationship where your kid is not afraid to come to you and talk to you about difficult things, embarrassing mm-hmm. things, shameful things. And that's tough. I mean, if you got teenagers, you know, that's, <laughs> that's super tough, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would suggest doing that before that stage. But again, that, what we talked about at the beginning of the episode with that attitude of I'd shoot them all in the face, you know, that, that doesn't do us any favors for that because kids pick up on that attitude and they can pick up on the, well, this is clearly something dad doesn't want to talk about or mom. Mm -hmm. This is clearly something that is not to be talked about. Uh, And even that can start to create a situation where it's, it's just, it's only helping the predator. Right. Mm -hmm. And the whole, I, you know, meet boyfriend and rack the shotgun and impress him that he, you know, that's the same kind of thing because the message you're sending, I mean, first off, we, you and I have been young men Mm -hmm. at times in our lives. And, you know, uh, that wouldn't have impressed me. I would have just thought, well, you know, great. You're not someone that I care to talk to, you know, dad, but you're sending a message. Yeah. the message yeah. you're sending and you're too polite to say it is that, oh, your dad's an asshole. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're continue. That, well, you're, and you're sending that same, and, and, the, and that's not even the important message. Like that, yeah. that sucks, but okay, who cares? Yeah. The message you're sending to your loved one, to your daughter in that scenario or whomever is that, that that's my, that's my ability to deal with uncomfortable situations. That's right. my ability to deal with your relationship. Mm-hmm. And that might feel good, you know, from a chest thumping standpoint, but you have ultimately created a scenario where that, that kid is not going to feel comfortable coming and talking to you about a mistake they've made. Right. Or they, felt, they feel like they've made. And, and you could say, well, they wouldn't have made the mistake, et cetera, et cetera. Predators are excellent at conv- convincing victims that it's their fault. Mm-hmm. But this is something they caused and no one will love them. And no one will believe them and they'll be disowned and everyone will hate them. And if you're giving off messages to family and friends that that's exactly the case, we're not doing ourselves any favors. There's a reason why the vast majority of predators are able to predate for years and years before they're caught. And depending on the study you look at, it's hundreds to thousands of victims at that point. And, and you ask how, how did no one notice? Well, that, that's one of the key components that I read in pretty much every case I've been involved in. So what we've got so far is we're, we're trying to break down the recipe of things that need to exist for a predator to be successful in hopes of removing those things so that they are unsuccessful. And so we're looking at, you know, isolation, uh, we're looking at <clears throat> secrecy, which I know kind of seems, I, I mean, you could almost group those in the, the same vein, but they feel just the tiniest bit different. We're, we're also looking at whether or not the potential victim feels comfortable even communicating with the people that could do something about it. 
what what else what else is in that recipe as far as you know for someone to successfully predate on someone those are the main components to be honest and it's not it's not as i wish there were a a, a checklist i could give you um that that would hit down every single possible you know possibility um but those are the big ones and i think the fact that they're not they're not that impressive <laughs> i guess is the reason why so many people ignore those signs right it's it's checking in with your family checking in with your friends uh seeing how they're doing and noticing when that's not happening and noticing when they are starting to isolate and they are starting to have those things they're not going to talk to you about um and that's that's a time to evaluate your own relationships right and say hey you're not going to be able to go to your kids and say hey you know, you can come to me with everything. Yeah. You got to convince them, man. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the hard part. It strikes me too, that when someone's being predated upon, they are going to give off every indication that they don't want anything to do with you. And mm -hmm. the issue there becomes, <laughs> I mean, I'm in, in our circle of friends, I kind of, known as being pushy about asking how people are or communicating with them when um, it seems like they don't want to. And, you know, that that's a hard one because you want to respect your friend's boundaries. And if someone needs space, you want to give them space. But the flip side of that coin too is like, so how do you, and we've only got like a couple minutes left in this. So if you want to like semi answer this and then we'll get into it in the next segment a little bit. How do you balance that? Well, there's no one answer to that. I'm going to say it depends on the friend, you know, um, it's easy to push them away even further. If you're a little bit, if you already have a damaged relationship or lack of one and you push too hard. Um, but for most kids, as far as like a parent kid relationship, yeah, the, the fact that you're approachable is far more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to be the best listener in the world. You don't have to be the best parent in the world. If you're available and, you know, they can come to you, that's going to be far more effective than you noticing something and trying to press extra hard. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do this. Let's go to break now. And then we can tack some of this time onto the last segment. Uh, right now we're talking with Ross Hick. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com today. Like I said last segment, sign up for that backpack of goodies. Uh, that's going on until the end of April, I believe. So we're talking with Ross Hick. And as you pointed out, Ross, one of the issues here is that all of this stuff seems so incredibly non-malevolent for the most part, like at least at first, or it doesn't seem very flashy. And it seems just like business-like, honestly. Yeah, by design. Uh, yeah. You know, predators wouldn't be successful if if they 
drew attention to what they were doing. And I, I think it bears remembering. I mean, if I had anything to communicate from any of this, it would be the fact that predators continue to be as successful as they are, even today, um, is a sure sign that we're not doing as well as we probably should be, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that, I'm going to sound really old here. I think that as we get into more isolated communication styles, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody calls anybody anymore. Now we're texting. Now we're, you know, doing whatever with our our online interactions. That only makes it easier, mm-hmm. right? That and I think if if anything, now is the time to reconnect for so many reasons. But this would be one of the prominent ones. Um, at the end of the day, you know most people advocate kind of a, you know, you have three options, right? Detection and you can detect detect and deter, uh, or you can, so identify and then, you know, deal with it. Yeah. Um, Well, sorry, I was going to interrupt you because again, ADHD, no, no, I want, I want you to finish your thought because something occurred to me and I'll hold on to it though. I'm, I'm adequately medicated right now and caffeinated. So, sorry. So three aspects, right? Detection, which is extremely hard as Mm -hmm. we've just been talking about this whole time. So detection of that deception is you got someone who spent a lifetime avoiding that working against you. And there's things to look for, but largely it's like we've said, it's kind of nebulous and it's going to change avoidance. Uh, which is almost impossible, like I talked about at the end, beginning of the episode. Um, you know, folks are pretty much everywhere. And you can't, you know, there is no capacity to keep them locked up forever. Um, it Arguing that is not, it's not going to happen. And so, and even if it did, even if we could immediately detect and get rid of, you know, everybody that we were worried about, there's an endless supply. Right. And so we're going to be dealing with this for the rest of our lives. And then the last one is deterrence is about the only thing you can do. And there's stuff you can do, right. Which is mostly what we've been hinting at, but having a good relationship, having that communication, um, you know, not relying on your gut feeling about a person because that's going to mislead you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and intentionally so with most predators and questioning, right? So if you have a, a situation where someone seems to be super interested in a family member, um, that might be normal, but start to ask yourself, like, what, how does my family member feel about this? Right. And how does this strike me? And does this person talk to me? You know, is this person interested in having a relationship with me or just my family member? Um, and look for the warning signs in your family member is really the largest thing, right? Which is to look for depression, look for that withdrawal, look for uh, sudden changes in mood. Um, and and start asking those questions. Well, and that's actually something that, you know, I have noticed in my personal experience, at least that if you've got someone in your life that, you know, 
<clears throat> you have a pretty good relationship with or a, a close-ish relationship with and you introduce them to someone else in your life and then you notice a sudden change in the amount of interest that the original person that you introduced to this other person has in your relationship, uh, but they're getting closer with that other person. I would say that that is something to be concerned about. And you sort of hinted at that, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, again, just the presence of having each other watching out for each other reduces the odds that grooming, <clears throat> excuse me, grooming is going to be successful, especially in kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the exactly right. Just even being there is honestly a great mitigator for a lot of this stuff and having that relationship. Well, a, a true stranger. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, a true stranger. A true stranger is, an unlikely predator. Um, does it happen? Yes, it, it absolutely does. Stranger danger is a thing, but it's such a smaller percentage of the whole that I think it bears remembering that, that we can't look the other way when even if our part or our, our family member or child is seems happy in the relationship, right? look at the whole relationship and look at how they're acting with everyone else around them. And if it is, like you said, that, that it's not isolation, right? It's isolation, but it's from everyone else who isn't that one person. That's still a problem, right? Yeah. Um, it strikes me too, that, you know, again, people, the stuff that we're talking about, we're talking about in the context of, you know, sexual predators, essentially how our own lack of emotional intelligence can let someone <laughs> predate uh, essentially. And, and again, not to victim blame, but just it's a component of it. But when we're talking about grooming and grooming someone for abuse, we're talking about extreme examples here, but like that can happen and still be amazingly damaging and not be like, oh, this is a sexual predator. This could just be a predator predator that is taking advantage of you or someone in your life in ways that is not healthy for them, right? Absolutely. And I think that the, the end goal can be different, right? For different people. Sure. And with sexual predators, it's obvious there, but yeah, the, the techniques are the same and it's kind of, it's, it's easy to end up in the same place, right? By that isolation and moving people away. And, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get a psychopath, right? You'll get someone who is, and I say lucky, right? But yeah, whose, whose tendencies are pretty obvious. They, they don't seem quite right. Intense liked, intense dislike is usually a sign of something going on. Mm -hmm. Um, they tend to see it as a, uh, you know, deception is the main event, right? They're excellent at it. Um, and they pursue whatever interests them. So for some people, that's molestation. For some people, it's bank robbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, for some people, it's power within their company. Uh, and there's a lot of psychopaths who are, 
pretty successful at whatever it is they pick to do because they have a pretty singular purpose. And so, you know, for that person, if you if you start picking up on those tendencies, um, those personality traits, um, it can be easy to identify that person and tough to identify exactly where they're going, right? Where what they're what what exactly are they interested in? Yeah. Um, and they could be genuinely likable people. Um, plenty of history of that, unfortunately, in our country. Yeah. And those key characteristics make them popular a lot of times, right? Superficial charm, extraordinary ability to con and manipulate, um, not looking nervous when they lie or anxiety or discomfort. They're great showmen. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine. And it doesn't mean that person necessarily has, you know, a malicious intent at the end, but they could. And so that's kind of a person that you may want to look a little closer at and say, hmm, what is that person's end goal? Like, where is that person going? And get to know that person a little better, right? Uh, or try anyways. Yeah. And you said something that I really want to point out. Um, intense like. Well, you, you said intense dislike of someone, but also intense like. That is a pretty big warning sign, right? Like if you really, really like someone and don't know why, is that something to pay attention to? Yeah, definitely. That's so that's usually what the, the sign is, is either intense dislike or like. And it yeah, that's absolutely a warning sign in pretty much any relationship. But even observing from outside, that's something to look for. Why do you why are you drawn to this person in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that and, just is, is that a byproduct of like the very subtle manipulation that people like that are capable of or what do you think that is so i think it's easy to i mean confidence is attractive right mm-hmm. and there's no one more confident than a psychopath who is on the path to what they want um they exude confidence because that that's all they got they, they're they're not nervous they're not worried about that Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't want to get caught, but they're not nervous about it. They're not, uh, you know, they don't have those holdups. And so that can be attractive. Um, and you don't have to be a full-blown psychopath to exhibit some of those signs. So, you know, if you go online and try to take a psychopath test, pretty much the same thing happens. Everybody goes, oh my God, I'm a psychopath. Uh, no, I mean, everybody, it's a spectrum. Everybody's got uh, some characteristics here and there. But the more of those you see, right, um, in someone, you know, the more concerned you need to be. And definitely it's a time, again, to take a pause and maybe get an outside opinion. If you have a trusted friend or, uh, you know, ideally a a mental health professional or something that you can bounce this off of and say, hey, you know, I really like this person, like intensely like this person. I just met him. It feels a little crazy. Um, you know, what's your opinion on this? And that person's probably going to say, okay, you know, let's talk about that. Let's explore that a little bit and try to figure out where those drives are coming from. And even just talking to each other, that's a good idea, right? Hey, what, what, you know, don't fight it. But as a family member, you can say, hey, 
gee, you seem really attracted to this person. Uh, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And pay attention to that. If it's all confidence and it's all, wow, that person's the greatest person in the universe, never does anything wrong. And there's a little bit of that in every relationship when it starts, right? But when it's it persists and it's so overwhelming, that's something to definitely look into. All right. We're coming up on the end of the episode. What would what thought would you leave people with here? So I think to sum it up, I'd say emotional fitness is absolutely as important as physical fitness for survival, maybe even arguably more in some you know circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that emotional fitness is not just important for your own health, but literally everyone around you, all the relationships that surround you, family, friends, um, in ways that you don't know, in ways that you may not be able to even ever know. Um, check in with your friends. Be as approachable as you can to your loved ones. And if you don't have that, now's the time to start. When when you say emotional fitness, um, see it's my show, so I can extend it if I want to. When right. when when you say emotional fitness, what exactly? What characteristics are you talking about specifically? Oh well, you know if your if your loved one is attracted to someone, you know who is a predator or is being groomed by a predator, they are going to seem like, you know as close to perfect at the beginning as they can of that relationship, right? They're going to be everything that person wants. Mm-hmm. That's hard to compete. That's hard to compete with, right? Especially as a parent uh, or outside of that relationship. And so you're you're not going to, you're not going to convince that person that you're, you know, more knowledgeable and more, uh, you should listen to them more, right? Mm-hmm. They should listen to you more. It's more the case that, you have to be there for when they, you you have to be an emotionally approachable person and have a baseline of, of emotional fitness for yourself. And there's that word again, Mm -hmm. that they want to come to you with this stuff that they look to you as, Oh, here's a guy who at least has it. He seems pretty okay. Right. He's not the, the, you know, he's not the, uh, the guy wheezing in the corner of the gym, you know, struggling. We don't go to those people for advice on how to lift. We look mm-hmm. at the people who have seem like they know what they're doing a little bit. And just shutting down every conversation and saying, hey, no, I'm, you know, I just shoot them in the face. I'm doing that, whatever. That's that's not convincing, right? That's the guy going into the gym and saying, Yeah, I could, you know, bench whatever. I just don't need to do it right now. That's not that's not convincing. You know, I would have been a Navy SEAL, but I would have beat up the drill instructor. So I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think we got to get away from that. Yeah. Well, and again, people are missing the point and you kind of touched on it. But uh, even if we immediately executed every single predator after they got caught, it's not like, you know, it's not like a virus that once we get enough of them, like it'll eventually die out and go away. Like they're coming from humanity. Right. And, you know, 
as you said, the conversation should focus more on, hey, you know, detection, avoidance, deterrence, as opposed to that emotional response to it. And and I'd shoot them in the face as an emotional response because otherwise they're just going to keep appearing from wherever they come from and they're going to keep being able to do it because we're not looking for the right things. So absolutely. And, yeah. and I dovetail off of that and say, obviously, you know, <laughs> and I'm discovering as I go on through my shooting career that emotional fitness is important for a lot of other stuff too. Right. Yeah. And I, I kind of, the goal for me is to, care very deeply about things, care deeply about the people around me and the things I'm doing, but not let my emotions dictate what that relationship is. Cause that's never, that's never a good direction to go. Yeah. And I think they're, you know, and our mutual friend Melody is the one that introduced me to this concept, but we need to be very aware that, you know, emotions, thoughts, and actions are all three separate things that we have varying degrees of control over and being able to successfully implement a model that allows you to behave as the person you choose to be versus the person you react as is probably pretty important. Um, yeah, that's a, that's probably a good place to uh, leave this for and at least until the next time I have you on the show. Now, if folks are interested in like maybe coming out and learning some of this stuff, uh, you're guest instructing with some folks I know, I think June 25th and in, uh, in uh, Brock, Texas, right? Yeah. And I believe you can uh, find information about that on Eventbrite, but also through uh, Citizens Defense uh, Research. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a super, super exciting time, interesting class. And I'll be talking quite a bit more about this stuff. I'm seriously considering uh, bringing my kids down just to be students in the class. That is how excited I am about what you, uh, for those that don't know, um, Melody uh, Lauer, uh, Chris Seipert uh, taught a personal protection for women seminar uh, or teach a personal protection for women seminar. Ross is going to be coming out and guest instructing as part of that seminar this go around. They've actually added a couple of hours to give Ross time to talk about all this sort of thing. And I think it's going to be incredible if you want to check that out. The easiest way is to go to the uh, Citizens Defense Research Eventbrite, which you can get to from our website, uh, citizensdefenseresearch.com or our Facebook page, or you can just uh, type tinyurl.com slash buy B-U-I-C-D-R tickets. Uh, Tickets is common spelling. But Ross, man, thank you so very much for coming on the show. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, but I think that we'll do it again sometime in the future. Really means a lot to me. And also, you're on a personal level, your friendship means the world to me. So thank you so much for that, too. 
thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been awesome. Yeah, Look forward to coming back. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey man, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks again, uh, and be safe. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right. Here's what. Take care. All right. Hey, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, if you think we've earned it, please keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week. Bye.